Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that in your kindness, in your grace, you would allow the word of God that is preached this morning to be alive, to be powerful, to have an impact on each one of our lives, to really come into us and work in us uh, great glory to you, Heavenly Father. We ask you for this grace through our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, we will introduce a new series of sermons that will be preached on Sunday evenings after one more message on the life of David. For the next few months on Sunday evenings, uh, I am going to lead us in a look at the parables of Jesus. That is, some of them, about a dozen of them. Jesus was not the only one to use parables. I have read that there are more than 200 parables in the Bible. However, he was, quote, certainly the greatest exponent of parabolic teaching. Are you aware that at least one-third of our Lord's recorded teaching is found in parables? To ignore his parables, Warren Wearsby has said, and he is helping me in this message from his book, Meet Yourself in the Parables, to ignore his parables is to rob ourselves of much that he wants us to learn. That indeed is true, since once again, at least one-third of our Lord's teaching comes to us with parables. Our English word, parable, is a transliteration of the Greek word parabole. The Greek parabole simply means to place beside, to cast alongside. A parable, then, is a story placed beside, cast alongside a truth to help teach it, to illustrate it, and remember it. In other words, it's not simply a story that we can take and read to our children at night before they fall asleep. It's a story that comes to us for the purpose of a spiritual, heavenly lesson. Today, we will have an introduction to the parables of Jesus, and in our introduction, 
we will cover four questions. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Why should we study the parables of Jesus? How should we study the parables of Jesus? And how shall we use them? Four points. Point one, why did Jesus teach in parables? There are two answers to this question that I will give us. And one of the answers may surprise you. The one that won't is Jesus taught in parables to help people see and understand and remember spiritual truth. That's the idea of a parable. Remember, a parable is a story placed beside or cast alongside a truth to help teach it, illustrate it, and remember it. Look with me at Matthew 13, verses 10 and 11a. Once again, Matthew 13, verses 10 and 11a. After Jesus gave the parable of the sower, in Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, we read these words in verses 10 and 11a. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. In other words, Jesus used parables to help people have knowledge of the things of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told stories to have them serve as windows for the mind, to let eternal truths be viewed, to let them be seen. Here on earth, Jesus spoke about eternal life, and he used the parable of the great banquet to help present an aspect of eternal life. He spoke on the subject of the heart, and he used the parable of the sower or the soils to help teach there. Jesus spoke on unforgiveness and on prayer, and he gave the parable of the unmerciful servant and the parable of the friend at midnight. One reason for Jesus using parables is to help people learn important, spiritual, eternal, heavenly lessons. However, Jesus also taught with parables so that certain people might not see and understand spiritual truth. This is the answer that may surprise some of us, that certain 
people may not see and understand spiritual truth. Let's go back to Matthew 13. Notice verses 10 and 11, 13 and following. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. He's going to talk, first of all, about their spiritual condition. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. And in light of that spiritual condition, he goes on to say, here's why I speak to them in parables. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Again, these words refer to the spiritual deterioration that was present with many of the people of Israel of our Lord's day. They were people who had heard and heard the word of God, but they did not understand it. They were people who had seen and seen God's power at work, but they did not perceive what God was doing. Their hearts had become dull and calloused, and so, in judgment on them, Christ spoke in parables so they would continue in their spiritual blindness and deafness. Gary Inrig has written a book on the parables of Jesus. It's titled, The Parables, Understanding What Jesus Meant. On page 7, he says this, Sometimes the Lord used parables as veils. They served to hide the truth from people whose response to him indicated that they were under divine judgment. Jesus used parables to reveal and he also used parables to conceal. He used parables in mercy, and he also used them in judgment. Quote, the same sun that melts the ice also hardens the clay. Jesus' parables brought life and salvation and growth to some, but judgment to others. Before we leave this first point, let's ask ourselves this important question. What will the Lord's parables bring to us? Do we have dull 
calloused hearts so that they will actually bring judgment? Have we heard and heard the word of God, but we are disinterested in, but we are bored with the things of the Lord? Or do we have receptive, believing hearts so that the parables bring life and growth to us? May God grant us the right heart to profit from Christ's parables. Question number two this morning is, why should we study the parables? Again, I will give us two answers. A, because they are part of the Word of God, and in Matthew 4, verse 4, we have Jesus saying, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We live... We live spiritually on the Word of God. The Word of God feeds us. The Word of God is vitally important to our spiritual well-being. We study the parables of Jesus because they are part of the Word of God which feeds us. 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, or and is profitable, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we give this answer as well, B. The parables of Jesus touch those areas of life which are most significant for us. They deal with eternal life and the heart and forgiveness and prayer and caring for our neighbor and handling wealth and possessions and serving the Lord with what he has given us. The parables of Jesus treat the essentials of life and for that reason too, they are to be studied. In Mark chapter 12, verse 37, we are told that the common people heard Jesus gladly. Why was this? Perhaps I am off base here, but I will offer two reasons. And no, it wasn't because he was funny and he was entertaining. It was rather because, one, he spoke grace to them. He spoke of God's love for them. He spoke of God's grace for them. And two, he spoke about those things that really matter in life. The most important things in life. That last statement is what we will find with each one of our Lord's parables. 
Each parable will touch on a most significant area of life. Why should we study the parables of Jesus? They're part of the Word of God, and the Word of God feeds us. And they deal with the most important issues of life. By the way, are you wrapped up in the most important issues of life? Are you given over to those things? Or are you spending your life on the lesser things? Question three in our introduction is, how should we study the parables of Jesus? I take this up to encourage us to be into the parables before we actually begin looking at them together on Sunday evening. Uh, there are about 30 parables of Jesus in the Gospels. Uh, a suggestion, uh, take up one a day for the next month. Are you looking for something to use in reference to devotions? Look at a parable a day for the next month. And here is some suggestions in reference to how you should study the parables of Jesus. In other words, to correctly understand them and profit from them, we must approach them properly. First of all, we should study each parable in its context. This is the case for any portion of scripture, for any verse of the Bible context. You perhaps have heard the story of a man who wanted to know the will of God for his life. And so he took a Bible and he opened up the Bible and he put his finger down and he read, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Closed the Bible, opened it up, put his finger down again, and read the words, Judas went out and hung himself. Closed the Bible, opened it up, dropped his eyes on the words, go and do likewise. We should study each parable in its context, even as we are to study every verse of the Bible in its context. We can get ourselves way off line in correctly understanding a parable if we ignore its setting. For example, listen to how the parable of the Good Samaritan has suffered. You remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers, etc. Listen to how uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan has suffered at the hands of those who have ignored its context. They interpret Jerusalem as 
the city of God representing heaven. Jericho is a condemned city, so it represents hell. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho goes down, so does the road to hell. Each person is a pilgrim on the Jericho road and has been robbed by Satan and left half dead, alive physically, dead spiritually. Religion cannot save him. Only Christ, the Good Samaritan, can. The oil represents the Holy Spirit, the wine, Christ's shed blood, and so forth and so on until the end. We uh, hear from them the Samaritan promised to come again, and Jesus Christ will come again. Some of those things are, are, are true, are taught in the Bible, but they're not taught in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The context is the lawyer's question to Jesus. And who is my neighbor? And the fundamental lesson is that of being a merciful neighbor to those in need, whoever they may be. Who is my neighbor? Be a merciful neighbor to those in need, whoever they may be. We should study each parable in its context. Also, B, we're to look for the main truth the parable teaches. Again, perhaps you'll be reading through the parables in this next month, and uh, you'll say, okay, what's the setting here? I want to get the setting right. And then number two, what's, what's the main teaching? What's the main point of this parable? Each parable usually has one central point. This does not mean that there are no secondary lessons in the parables, but there is a main point in each parable. And we're to look for that, and any secondary lesson must be related to that main point. For instance, the main message of the parable of the prodigal son is God forgives and receives repentant sinners freely. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. God forgives and receives repentant sinners freely. You can discover in this parable other spiritual lessons, but all of them should relate in some way to that primary point. By the way, I, I want to say here, God does indeed forgive and receive repentant sinners freely. Have you gone to the Father through the Lord Jesus and had your sins removed, forgiven? Have you been cleansed of your guilt and been given the righteousness of Jesus so that you're a child of God? It's free. And the parable of the prodigal son wants to bring that truth to us.
And then C, we must not go too far with the details of the parable. Some of the parables of Jesus are, are quite detailed. Some have very little detail, but again, some have a great deal of detail, and it's not necessary to make everything mean something unless the context warrants it. Uh, the Lord Jesus explained the parable of the sower in detail, and likewise the parable of the tares or weeds, so there's no problem there. But in that wrong handling of the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see what can happen if a person insists on attaching a meaning to every detail. Jerusalem is this. Jericho is that. The road going down from Jerusalem to Jericho stands for this. The oil is this. The wine is that. The inn is this. The two silver coins are that. Listen to this quote. There are two great errors in interpreting the parables. And one consists in pulling meaning out of every part. In other words, the parables are not allegories. An allegory is where each term stands for an idea. The parables are not allegories. So, in your reading of the parables this next month, or in coming and listen, listening to me as I seek to correctly give them to you, A, we want to make sure that the setting is correct. B, we want to look for that main lesson, that main truth. And then last, we want to make sure we don't go too far, that we don't run wild with the parable. Our last question concerning the parables of Jesus is, how shall we use them? Or what shall we do with them personally? First of all, we need to learn their truths. As we said earlier, they are part of the Word of God, and we live spiritually on the Word of God. The Word of God feeds us. God's Word is vital to our spiritual, eternal well-being. So we need to learn the truths of the parables of Jesus. Next, we need to live their truths. James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I had an aunt, Aunt Marion. One day she was out shopping and she saw a raincoat that she really liked. And so she waited for it to go on sale. And when it did, she went and bought it. It was hers. She took it home. She put it on a hanger. She hung it up in the closet. And she never wore it. It was hers. But she never profited from it. To profit from the parables, to the glory of God, we need to put their truths into practice. 
Listen to these words from Warren Wiersbe. The truths become alive when we live them. They will be dead truths if we do not act on them. You've heard the phrase dead orthodoxy. That has to do with having the truth and not allowing it to impact us, not allowing it to change us, not allowing it to do anything except just sit there in our minds. We are to learn and do, learn and act. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 15, verse 16, your words were found, and I did eat them, and your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. The joy and rejoicing came when he ate them, not simply when he found them. God, let me say it again, forgives and receives repentant sinners freely. Have you acted on that truth? Are you a child of God? Because you've taken that truth and cashed in on it. And then last, in reference to what should we do with the parables. We are to share the truths of the parables of Jesus. Dr. Wearsby has said, each of us has a treasury within that contains the spiritual currency we have accumulated from our learning and living. The Lord Jesus wants this treasure of spiritual truth to be shared. He does not want us to just keep it for ourselves. Money that is not properly used is wasted because it accomplishes nothing useful. And so in the same way, we must share the truths of the parables of Jesus. I remind us that Peter on the day of Pentecost shared the word of God and 3,000 people believed. Paul, when he went to Philippi, shared the word of God and a church was begun. By God's grace, we have a church here that's been continuing on because of the word of God being shared. And that's what our Lord wants us to do with the lessons of the parables. Here's a, here's a verse for you to keep in mind to help you to remember this last point. It's Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. That's a place in our Bibles that's probably looking so new and fresh because we don't go there very often. Ezra is right before Nehemiah. And again, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10 is going to help us to remember this last point. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study, meaning the learning, and observance, meaning the living, of the law of the Lord, and to teaching, meaning the sharing of its decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra was probably the very first scribe. And we read here about him that he learned the truths of God, he lived the truths of God, and he shared 
the truths of God. And that's what we're to do with our time in the parables. Once again, about 30 parables of our Lord Jesus will be found in the Gospels. And uh, he taught in parables to reveal and to conceal. And we should study them because they're part of the Word of God, which feeds us. And they touch on those things which are most important. How should we study the parables? What's the setting? What's the main truth? Let's not go too far with the details. How should we use the parables? Let's learn the truths of God. Let's live out the truths of God. Let's not be dead orthodox people. And then let's share the truths of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be pleased to uh, bring your blessing upon this series that we'll be having soon on Sunday evenings. We pray that your blessing would be that you would work uh, deeply in our lives and uh, by your working deeply in our lives, uh, you would really be honored. You would really be glorified. Heavenly Father, especially help us to uh, live out what we learn and to share with others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.